0: I can't tell you how much Helen and I were looking forward to being able to be back at Temple Baptist Church for this Sunday after 18 years being down here in Brantford. Unfortunately, things don't always work out the way we hoped they would, but it's still a privilege to be able to uh, bring a message, and I hope that I can be able to encourage you, or the words that I say can encourage you, uh, and each one of us actually, as we appreciate the last 60 years the Temple has celebrated and also the years to come. Helen's not able to be here with me right now, and as so much as she would like to, and I'm sure some of you would rather see her than me anyway, but she is actually down in Toronto taking care of my 97-year-old mom for about three weeks while my brother, who's been taking care of her for the last uh, two and a half years, heads back to uh, to uh, Connecticut for a, for a visit. Anyway, we think that, uh, when we think, rather, of the 25 years that Helen and I were there as youth pastor and wife, there is a flood of memories that we have. There were 11 founders who first had the vision to see a church up in Preston. Uh, They, along with eight more, took out loans totaling $15,000 altogether to help to see that first building erected by the fall of 1955. If you put things in perspective homes sold for probably around $10,000 back then, and that meant that they were willing to, to, uh, to take out a loan for 5% to 10% of, uh, of what their home was worth to be able to help the church get off the ground. You think in modern-day language or modern-day day terms, if an average house sells for two hundred and fifty dollars or $350,000 or more, likely $400,000, that means they were willing to put between $12,000 to $35,000 into this new church. And so, friends, you have to realize, and I do too, that that is certainly commitment. During the next 22 years, there were five more building programs that uh, that went to be able to accommodate the people who were attending, and he's seen their lives transformed by the Lord. Temple became a well-known name around Preston, and there were always people who had, a, had to park on the street uh, so that they would be able to come into church. The parking lot was never really big enough. I wonder if some of you remember even having to go up onto the church roof during the wintertime after a severe snowstorm or through an ice storm to try and get some of that weight off of the roof and shoveling the snow off the, off the roof because it was so heavy. And there are just a concern about it maybe buckling under the, uh, under the weight. Temple always seemed to have a vibrant Sunday school ministry, whether it was for children or middle, middle-aged kids or adults. There was always lots of buy-in from the adults to be involved in reaching the next generation to come along. By the late 1960s, the bus ministry was begun because of a gift from Lawrence and Ruth Caldwell in memory of their son who was tragically, uh, tragically lost, uh, taken home. That bus ministry carried on for many years, and thousands upon thousands of children were brought into the church from not only Cambridge and Kitchener, but even the south part of Kitchener at one point, south part of Waterloo at one point. At one time, I believe we had 13 or 14 buses running at one time. There were special Sundays that we had, Friend Day, Old Fashioned Sunday, Pumpkin Sunday, Police Appreciation Day, Sunday school contests on a yearly basis, and more. There always seemed to be something that was happening. By 1979, Temple began Temple Baptist Christian Academy, and we began talking about this new property, 7.2 acres up at the corner of Holiday Inn Drive and uh, Franklin Boulevard, and then another two acres was added on top of that just a few years after that. For the teens, we had all different things as well. We had the youth conferences where we brought in guest speakers sometimes from the USA, flew them in for the meeting. We had canoe trips. We had mission trips. We had summer work teams. And we had scare nights for Halloween out in the country. We had street ministry and evangelism. We had we had uh, teens visiting teens in their homes who had come out to visit at the church and lots more things as well. I remember the day when we had our last church service on Dunbar Road and had a huge caravan of cars and buses that drove to the new property up in 1986. Six classrooms had already been built for the academy back in 1983. It wasn't long before the next building project on the property was completed, and we were able to move the Dunbar Youth Program, which had stayed behind the old building, and the Bee Sunday School over at Steelworkers Hall so that we were all able to be together on one property finally. Do some of you remember the Bee Sunday School property or the Steelworkers Hall? Having to clean up and sweep up the beer cans and the beer bottles after a night of partying the night before and it hadn't been cleaned up the way it should have been. Floors were sticky with with uh, with the beer that had been spilled just so the bus kids would be able to come in, sit on a chair, and be able to be taught the Word of God. We originally thought the Dunbar building was going to be purchased by a funeral home. But it ended up being uh, becoming a nursing home and a retirement home. I had the chance actually to go through the uh, to go through the new building or the the old building uh, after a few years, and just to see how it had been changed. All the room, the configurations and that, uh, some things were still very similar, like that ramp just inside the front door, the wheelchair ramp. It was still there, still being used for the same purpose for taking wheelchairs up and down the uh, up and down the ramp to their to their uh, rooms. Temple's had some terrific years, both at the old location and certainly at the new location as well. Anyone who has been around for a few years knows that there have been lots of up times, so to speak, but you also know that there have been lots of downtimes as well. The sadness of heart that comes along with some of those downtimes. Some of the things that I've always appreciated about Temple are the desire to reach people for Christ and to move forward rather than trying to just maintain. I think it's exciting to see the new building project happening and how people, young and old, will be touched by the gospel in the near future through these facilities and through this leadership team that's already in place. But more importantly, the word of God has always been paramount at Temple, the salvation of souls has always been prominent, and the growth of people spiritually has always been evident, even with the challenges along the way. I think, as I mentioned, that the leadership team the temple has in place is poised for some terrific days ahead, and I can't help but be excited at what God is going to do once this COVID pandemic ends up subsiding and the building renovations are done. So my prayer for today has been for God to help me say the things that will help you, for God's word to speak to each one of us through his Holy Spirit and work in each one of our hearts. I'm praying that this message will echo Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, where it says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. I'm not just speaking to you, Temple Baptist Church, a church that I love. I'm speaking to all of us as believers in Christ. But before I open the Bible to share, let me ask the Lord to open up each one of our hearts through prayer. Father, I pray now, as we take a look at your word, And as you, Lord, I pray, are able to use my words, my failing words in the hearts of people because your Holy Spirit is working in them. Help us, Lord, to be focused not just on the past and not just on the future, but even right now. Help us, God, to be able to to not try and spend our time looking in the rearview mirror and trying to move forward looking in the rearview mirror, but, Lord, we will be looking ahead, appreciative of all the things that have gone on in the past but that, God, we'd be able to see you working in us now and in the future at Temple Baptist Church, at Central Baptist Church in Brantford, evangelical churches, not only here in these two cities, but around the world. God bless us, I pray, Lord, and help our hearts to be open in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, no, he gasped as he surveyed the disaster before him. Never in his 40 years had he ever seen anything like it. How anybody could survive, he did not know. He could only hope that somewhere, amid the overwhelming destruction, he would be able to find his 16-year-old son. Only the slim hope of finding Danny kept him from turning and fleeing the scene. He took a deep breath and he proceeded. Walking was virtually impossible with so many things strewn across his path. He moved ahead slowly. Danny, Danny, he groaned to himself. He tripped and almost fell several times. He heard someone or something move. At least he thought he did. Perhaps he was just hoping he did. He shook his head and felt his gut tighten. He couldn't understand how this could have happened. There was some light, but not enough to see very much. In desperation, he took another step and then cried out, Danny! From a nearby pile of unidentified material, he heard his son say in a voice so weak it could hardly be heard, Dad? Yes, Dad? He called out to his son. It's time to get up and get ready for school and for heaven's sake, clean up this room. In walking together as churches, we need to get up. We need to get ready if we're going to get accomplished what God wants Temple Baptist Church to do in Cambridge and Central Baptist Church in Brantford to do and other evangelical churches to do as well. We can't afford to be caught sleeping that during these difficult times as a group of Christ followers in this pandemic. I'd like to share a few thoughts and biblical principles as we move into the second half of 2020. For many, 2020 may be a year with huge changes in our lives, some for better, some for worse. For some, it will be a year that's par for the course compared to the last three months. It's going to be the same in the next few months. And with others, God may use us like we never imagined he would. I'd like to suggest three straightforward things for us to consider. Give God our service. Every Christian needs to be willing to be involved because this life is bigger than any of us. It's God's work and God's will that we are really to be concerned with, isn't it? Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his death included these words, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. As believers in Christ, it is his will that we are to try and accomplish in this world. I'd like to use Moses as an example from the New to Old Testament as well as the New Testament. So turn to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. And I'll be reading from the ESV. I know my Bible is sitting here, but I've printed out my notes as well, uh, the, the scripture verses that I'm going to be using. And uh, so we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV. So it starts off in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 of Exodus. Moses. And he said, Here am I. We carry on now to verse 9, and it's God speaking here at this point. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression from which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? First of all, he says, I'm not good enough. Who am I? I'm a nobody. Look at verse 13 now. Then Moses said, We come to the second excuse. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? He says, I don't have all the answers. So God says, He'll give them the answers. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Moses says, the people aren't going to believe me. So God tells him to use his staff and show them the leprous hand and change the, river, the Nile River into blood. And we look at verse 10 through 15, we come to the next excuse. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses saying, "I can't speak all that well." Verse eleven. Then the Lord said to him, "Who has made man's mouth? Who has made him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak." But Moses, but he said, Moses said, "O oh my Lord, please send someone else. Send anybody but me." And then we read what God says next. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you both what to do. It's been said before, but it's worth repeating. The greatest thing that God wants from us is not our ability, but our availability. The greatest thing that God wants from us is not our ability, but our availability, which comes from a heart given over to him. Anytime we hope to accomplish things for God, there will always be things that cross our path that will help us towards those goals that God has. There will be things that come across our path that hinder us There will be events that may set us back or propel us forward. There may be those who join in and help us to see those godly goals reached and joys received. And there will also be the naysayers trying to convince people that it cannot be done. As we walk together in God's service, we'll see God transforming lives. We'll see new people coming to Christ. We'll see our lives being transformed more and more into his image. Moses' reasons for not wanting to go back to Egypt seemed pretty reasonable to Moses, and they probably would seem pretty reasonable to you and I too. But God saw who Moses was, and also what he would become as God was able to work in his life. God had more confidence in Moses' potential abilities than Moses did because he saw the big picture. Could the same be said about you and I? What service can you and I do for God? Can we trust God enough to unfold the big picture in our life? We may not know right now, but we'll never know if we're too scared to be willing to be used in his service or too interested in our own plans instead of God's plans. One night, a teenage girl brought her boyfriend home, her new boyfriend home, to meet her parents, and they were somewhat appalled at his appearance and the way he was. The leather jacket, the motorcycle boots, the tattoos, the piercings, and then that kind of a snarly attitude as well. Later, the parents pulled their daughter aside and confessed their concern. Dear, said the mother somewhat diplomatically, he doesn't seem to be very nice. Oh please mum replied the daughter if he wasn't nice why would he be doing 500 hours of community service god doesn't want to force us into serving him he wants volunteers he wants believers with contrite hearts he wants humble followers of his will he wants people in love with him and love with and in love with others he wants christians without hidden agendas he wants a willing heart there's an old hymn that came to mind when I was thinking about this point, And I wonder if you wouldn't mind singing a couple of verses along with me. Now, of course, if you don't sing along, I'll never know because we're talking through the TV right now or through your, through your phone or through your tablet. So it's called In the Service of the King. Maybe familiar to some of you, others, it may be a brand new song because it's so old. So let's sing this song, two verses only. I am happy in the service of the king. I am happy, oh, so happy. I have peace and joy that nothing else can bring. In the service of the king. In the service of the king. Every talent I will bring I have peace and joy and blessing in the service of the King I am happy in the service of the King I am happy oh so happy all that I possess to him I gladly bring in the service of the King in the service of the King, every talent I will bring. I have peace and joy and blessing in the service of the King. How available are you and I to God in his service? How many excuses can we come up with for not doing what God wants us to do? What's our impression of living in the service of the king? Is it forced community work in the service of the king, or is it volunteering with a happy heart? One of the greatest gifts that we can give to God is our availability for service. Moses' greatest accomplishments were not realized until after he had committed himself to God. After the commitment came, the blessing of discovery and accomplishment came, even though it wasn't an easy road for Moses. Have we felt like there have been a whole lot of blessings in our life? It could be directly related to how much we've made ourselves available to God by giving him the gift of service. What churches need to see is brave young people, young adults, adults and seniors, children who are willing to venture out and give themselves wholeheartedly to God. I can't help but feel the temple is on the crest of a wave of opportunity right now. With restrictions opening up, the church renovations moving towards completion, I can't help but think that things are going to be terrific in these next few months and years. God can do through you, us, each one of us, what he wants to do if we have willing hearts. Philip Brewer writes in his book, Holy Sweat, He says, God uses what you have to fill a need which you could never have filled. God uses where you are to take you where you never could have gone. God uses what you can do to accomplish what you never could have done. God uses who you are to let you become who you never could have been. It's not based on one's ability, but one's availability to God. God wants to use those who make themselves available to God. God will use us as we make ourselves available to God. That's the key. But the question is, are we willing? Will that will we be be that one? Do we want to be that kind of person? Are we willing to let God change us? Are we willing to make a difference in other people's lives as God changes our life? Are we willing to yield to God's plans for us before we even know what those plans are? Are we willing to at least take the next steps? We need to give God our service. Secondly, we need to give God our resources. We'll continue to look at Moses only now from what is said in the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 20 to 22. It's only three verses long. You can let me read it, but let me, if you're, if you're turning to that, let me give you a little bit of a background before we read Stephen has just been brought to the religious leaders and falsely accused, saying that he has blasphemed Moses, blasphemed the law, blasphemed the temple, and blasphemed God. All untrue. In the last speech that he will ever make in his life, Stephen declares the gospel to them, starting with Abraham and working all the way through the Old Testament right up to Christ. We read this starting in verse 20 of Acts chapter 7. At this time, Moses was born. This is part of a sermon, of course. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. Now notice what Jesus say, what Stephen says about Moses. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. Moses' education was part of his preparation and would have included history and music and government and administration and military training and astronomy, culture, upper class living, lower class living, and even medicine. He was brought up as the Pharaoh's grandson. Moses' wilderness experiences of 40 years were also part of his preparation and God's plans for him. One of Moses' reasons for not wanting to go back to to Egypt included his speaking, and it's possible he was thinking about using a language he may not have used for the last 40 years. Don't you think that God knew all this ahead of time? How many gospel preachers have we heard in our lifetime who knew the scriptures extremely well and had done some amazing things in their lifetime, and yet although they may not have been considered great orators, they were mighty in words, the words used for Moses, mighty in words. It was God's power working in their words to convict people's hearts of the truth. Have we considered what Romans 1.16 says? The gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation. How many inspiring sermons have been preached over the last 2,000 years by rather weak men, but who were empowered by God? Even one of the greatest gospel preachers this world has ever known, the Apostle Paul, said to the Corinthians, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The crucial factor is not the vessel, but rather the power of God using that vessel. God can use the things that we are experiencing and serving Him if we are willing to let Him. We must give God our resources. We must allow God to have a willing life to work through so that he can use our resources to change our lives into what he wants them to be, to be like, and have an effect in other people's lives. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in this world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Why? Because it's God doing the work through that willing vessel. Have some of you ever considered taking a year to go to Bible college to gain more knowledge and perhaps... Direction in your life? Maybe God has some sort of mission for our lives that we have no idea about yet, but are we willing? Maybe God wants to ignite a spiritual passion in our lives to reach other people with the gospel. Maybe there's already something that we can do, which God can use to accomplish something we can't do until we follow Him. Maybe there's a course we can take to make us stronger believers. Many of us have taken educational courses for our workplaces so that we can become better equipped to move ahead in the company and make more money and maybe get a promotion. Why do we think it's so important to do this for work, but we don't think it's so important to do it for our faith? There are different Christian evening or module courses at Bible colleges or online that we can all benefit from, and I think even Temple has some, has some different courses you can take on Wednesday night or, or Sunday night's. People will take part in the Toastmasters Club to become better speakers or Dale Carnegie courses to understand people better, or maybe they'll listen to the TED Talks to learn more cutting-edge information. Maybe there should be some temple talks rather than TED Talks that people listen to for people to learn from on a spiritual basis. Why shouldn't we also do that with our faith and develop our resources so that God has more to work with? Maybe something needs to be fixed at the church or drawn or designed or cleaned or people visited or people phoned or children taught or helped in their reading or in their homework. Maybe babies need to be changed or rocked or tables need to be put up or taken away or neighbors' driveways need to be shoveled in the wintertime or drivers are needed to help with groceries or taking people to church or taking them home. We could probably all find areas where what we already can do God can use, and he will take us to things we didn't think we could do after that. I doubt the temple's founders would have ever imagined that the church would one day be putting up a $12 million addition, but they did have a vision for God to step out out in faith 60 years ago. That certainly stretched their faith and resources at the time we don't realize the ripple effect that we or someone else may have if we are willing to take those steps in following God's leading in our lives, but God does know that. Are we scared that God may think uh, may lead us in a different direction than we think we, we, we may want to go? Moses did. What would have happened if Moses had continued to refuse? What would have happened to him? He would have continued being a shepherd and maybe even being happy to some degree with the rest of his life as a shepherd. But Moses wouldn't have been the one that saw God work through him so strongly. He wouldn't have been the one that saw the plagues rain down on Egypt. He wouldn't have been the ones that saw the Red Sea parted. He wouldn't have been the one that met God on the mountain. He wouldn't have been the one that led the Israelites back to the promised lands. Moses would have missed out on all of that. Moses had to be willing to give his failing resources to God so that God could use some, do something miraculous. We have to be careful that we aren't coming up with excuses to not follow God's leading in our lives. Today, we shouldn't stand in awe of Moses and say, I could never do that. Moses couldn't either, not apart from God. E.M. Bounds served as a chaplain in the army during the Civil War and then pastored afterwards in the mid-1800s to the late 1800s. He also wrote 11 books on prayer. He began every morning at 4 a.m. with three hours of intense prayer. He became known as one of the greatest prayer warriors in history. He often said this, The church is looking for better methods while God is looking for better men and women. The Church is looking for better methods, while God is looking for better men and women." He also said, I think Christians fail so often to get answers to their prayers because they don't wait long enough on God. Such praying always reminds me of the little boy ringing his neighbor's doorbell and then running away as fast as he could before they answer. Is that how it is with our prayers to God? We give up and we walk away before He even has a chance to answer? Do we stop too early? Do we ask out of wrong motives? Do we actually seek God's will? Or are we nonchalantly asking what may what he wants us to do so that we can decide whether we're going to buy into that or not? We all need to be spending time praying and asking God what He wants us to do, when He wants us doing it, and leave the how up to Him. We're to give God our service, we're to give God our resources. And we're give to God ourself. That's actually the first step. Give God ourself. The desire of every Christian ought to be that God will work things out in this world exactly the way that God wants to. That will happen as, God's, as, as God has willing people to be his hands and feet in this world, working through his churches to accomplish his will. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army back in the 1800s. One of the things that he said is this, The greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. The greatness of a man or woman's power is the measure of his or her surrender. Each one of us needs to be a willing member of his body of believers. Booth also said more than hundred years ago, I consider that the chief dangers which confront the coming century will be religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. How true would you say his words are today? How prophetic were they? Our faith needs to be anchored on the rock of Scripture, or we will drift aimlessly with every wind that comes along. What do we base the daily decisions that we make on? What is our anchor holding on to today? What is the foundation of our faith? How serious are we about the God we say that we serve? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20 are familiar verses to many of us. It says this, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I'd like to expand on that a little bit by reading from the, the message version of Scripture. It says, says this, don't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works, so let people see God in and through your body. God has chosen Christians to be his hands and feet in this world. We don't become Christians by doing these things, but we are to do them because we already belong to Jesus. The change begins in the heart and moves out from there. First, we give ourselves to God, and then we give him our service and then our resources. Luke 19.10 says, Christ came into this world to seek and to save those who were lost. John 10.10, where Christ's words are, he came to give us life and life more abundantly. In 2 Peter 3.9, one of my favorite verses is, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There is a work for us to do. We can spend our time looking and, and glorying in the old days, the things that used to be, wishing that the present was like the past. But friends, we cannot live our lives looking in the rearview mirror. We can appreciate looking in the rearview mirror, but we cannot live our lives and go forward while looking backwards. Friends, we need to be focused on what God is going to do in each one of our lives. We need to get up. We need to get going to make a godly impact in this world. But the first step is to get right with God so he can change our hearts and move us in the direction of his choice. If you've never placed your faith in Christ before for the forgiveness of your sin, I'd encourage you to do that today. If you're not sure that your eternity is secure, give Temple Baptist Church a call, a phone call, or an email, or connect with them through Facebook. I know, knowing Temple Baptist Church, I know someone will get in touch with you because the church is here to help you. And people want to see your soul one day in glory. And in the meantime, living for him. Let me pray for us. Father, I am thankful for all that you've given to us. I'm thankful, Father, for allowing us to be a part in your service and your resources and part of your ministry here in this world. Be your hands and feet, so to speak, in this world. And I pray now, Lord, for each and every person who has come under the, under the, uh, under the umbrella of, of this message this morning, or whenever they may be listening to it, that, God, you would touch their hearts, not because of the way I've said something, but because, Lord, your Holy Spirit is able to use my words and scripture's words to be able to touch hearts in in the way that only you can do. So I pray for these things, Lord. I pray God that Your blessing on Temple Baptist. I pray, Lord, for 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 our country. I pray, Lord, for the people who are leading in this uh, in this province and in each of our cities. God, they will make the right decisions. But first and foremost, Lord, I pray for Your work in each of our lives, so that God, whether we are in a pandemic or whether we're out of a pandemic, whether in the whether we're in the midst of construction or whether all the restoration has already been done and we're in a brand new building at all. It almost seems that, God, you would be the one working in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Temple Baptist Church. Thank you so much for the privilege of being able to be with you today.